Welcome to Teamwork, A Better Way, the podcast filled with stories, experiences, and insights from leading high-performing team experts. Here are your hosts, Spencer Horn and Christian Napier. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Teamwork, A Better Way. I'm Christian Napier, joined by one of the few people on earth who can wear a shirt that combines pinstripes and technical or polka dots, Spencer Horn. Spencer, how you doing? I'm great, Christian. Good to be with you. <laughs> great to be with you. You are the man who has been traveling all over the world. Where are you? Where in the world have you been? Uh, gosh, since we last spoke, I was in Canada and I, uh, Florida with our with our guest, uh, and then most recently I was in Korea and Indonesia. And uh, as a subset of Indonesia, we went to we went to Bali, and had a pretty amazing experience. Wow! Uh, holy cow! Well, we could talk for hours about all that travel stuff because I'm really interested in it. But I don't want to take any time away from our amazing guest. He is well. I'll let you introduce him because he's coming out with a new book. We're all super excited to to see his new book that's going to be coming out. So, Spencer, why don't you introduce our special guest today? Yeah, I, I'm going to throw him up on on the screen here with us. So, Ryan England is a, a, a longtime friend. And how long have we known each other now, Ryan? It's been over ten years. I know that. Yeah, so over ten years, and we met when uh, when I was working at R Rapport Leadership, and and uh, Ryan and I have kept in, in touch. He's, he's done great things. He's been a guest on our show before. You know, you and I have talked to him about hiring the best people and we're having him back today because just the experiences that he has garnered in the last, I don't know, several years have really culminated in him creating a, a hiring process. And he's going to share that with us. He actually is launching a book on that same process uh, next week, actually a, a week from today, the 17th. Yeah. Is that right. That's so right. very, very, very impressive. And, you know, he talks about the different ways that, you know, many organizations go out and find people. And and I have to say, Ryan, I know this is a little different introduction, but I, I, I happened to be with you a couple of years ago on a on a, uh, a fishing trip in off the Florida Keys, Key Largo. And we had a blast. We were we were on this the small uh, the small uh, boat. We had great captain. And, and first mate, and we were mahi-mahi fishing. And, and Ryan just had this amazing epiphany about ways to, to, to help his clients to attract. And he, and he took some of those and he really put it into the model. And I'm going to let him share that with you. But uh, Ryan is uh, incredible energy. I mean, he is really sought after now in, in so many circles, especially in industries that use you know blue-collar labor. Construction, for example, is 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 a huge one, and, and many of those supporting trades that 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 work in that, and these are industries that are are absolutely vital for society to continue to go forward. And you know, a lot of people are are concerned right now about what's going to happen in the economy. You know, and I and I ask Ryan, he's like, you know, there, there's still a, a huge demand and need for for people that can build things that can get their hands dirty and make the world go round. And the problem is, is that many of those businesses and business owners are really struggling. And I, and I think Ryan has cracked the code. And so I want him to, to share that with us. And he's going to share, a, you know, a, a lot of knowledge and, and I'm just going to, I don't know where you want to start. I, I think my first question 
for you, Ryan, is when people say, uh, you know, AI is just going to take over and, and we don't have to worry about labor shortages or a, an economy reset, depression is going to solve all of our hiring problems and, and bring wages down so we don't have to worry about all the crap that we're dealing with right now. I'm, I'm talking about from, from the business owner or managerial perspective. What do you yeah. say to that? You know, I, I think that it's human nature to latch on to bad news and catastrophes and everything else. I mean, I think about back to what was it? The world was going to end in 1999 because computers weren't ready for the 2000 switch. Like we're always looking for the next big thing to talk about because it's fun. Uh, AI has been around for decades. It's only recently been cool enough that the media has picked it up and run with it. And so, yes, AI is going to start taking over some jobs, but not nearly as fast as a lot of the doomsdayers would have us believe. And so, but what about then the economy uh, is, is because we're, we're seeing it slow down and that means that there's going to be a, a hiring market, right? In other words, it's been a, it's been an employee market for the last couple of years, yeah. but the, the hope is of, of, of many business leaders that that's going to switch around. What do you say to that? Well, I think, I'll, I'll, yeah, the economy is going to impact us. It has in the past. We have what, 5 million more cars on the road in the United States today because everybody is delivering for Uber and Amazon and everything else. And as the economy shifts and people are buying less from these services, there's going to be less cars on the road. These people are going to figure something else out. But the gig economy has made it so that for a lot of people, they have options now. And those options means that they might not come to work for you. And if you're in an industry that had a labor shortage for the last couple of years or even the last decade, you're still going to have a labor shortage, even when the economy turns, because people have options now. I, you know, j j I just want to I just came back from Indonesia, as I said. You want to talk about the ultimate gig economy? I think it's a, a top twenty economy in 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 the world. I mean, two hundred and uh, gosh, seventy seven million people live in about the size of, of a place about the size of Texas. But I I I rented a car in Bali because I wanted to have a full experience, and I'm telling you, you know, four lanes of traffic in 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 two lanes. But we've got the you know scooters and motorcycles are just flowing right at you if, if the opposite way and and just for some whatever reason they they scoot out of the way right as you come into them and and uh, but I saw these scooters Ryan and Christian every it's like everyone was their own individual business some of them were carrying grass on their scooters why because they were that's how they get the 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 feed to the cattle uh, they they had like you know those little street tacos we have here they, on their motorbike they would have one and they would just stop in the middle of the street and set up a shop or they would have <laughs> the, the taxis there's a, a called gojek is an app it's a taxi that you can call for a scooter and, and the scooter come picks you up you put on a helmet and, and you, and you get a ride and it was just everybody <laughs> i mean i've never seen so many people just flowing and coming and going and it was amazing and it it's like the ultimate gig economy mm. Anyway, sorry, I know that's, that's off topic. No, but I, I think it's, it's relevant though. What it says is people have options, right? It's easier than ever to start your own business. The barriers to entry are non-existent anymore. Like you can just wake up today and say, I'm going to go start my own business and start something online, delivery, something. And when people have options, they're going to choose the options that are easy to get into and where they don't have to deal with the things that they're used to dealing with. I mean, I think one of the biggest issues we have is people, it's not that people don't wanna work anymore. The reality is, and this is gonna be hard for some people to hear, is that people don't wanna work for you. People don't wanna work in your industry. 
because of what they've known, because of what they've heard, because of what they've experienced. And so until that's going to change, we're going to struggle with recruiting and hiring. Oh, Ron, I couldn't agree more. I, I was just reading about how even the review process is creating disengagement just by how managers are giving feedback in the mm. review process, just how they treat people. People want to be want to work for people that that care about them. Anyway, Christian, I know you got some thoughts. <laughs> well, it's really just uh, riffing off of the conversation that you guys are having here, which is, uh, all right, there are a number of, in of industries who are still facing labor shortages. They're facing those shortages, as you mentioned, because people have options and they're making a choice. I want to go here. I don't want to go there with you. So how are you helping organizations and how does this tie into your book and your process to say, hey, Come over here. The water's warm. It's great. You know, uh, uh, come work in hospitality. Come work in construction with us. Um, yeah. Why do I want to go work helping... outside in the heat? Well, <laughs> yeah. How are you helping these organizations uh, actually overcome these barriers and position themselves as attractive options to people like me or whoever who might be looking for, for a new opportunity? Well, I think you just said it right there. It's we we need to give up on this idea that we have to go looking for people and we have to find people. And what we need to think about is how are we attracting people? I mean, you just said it. How do you become attractive? How do you attract the right people? And and that's where that that fishing analogy came into. And I'll dig into that in a minute. But you, you know, if you're not attracting good people, the reality is you may not be attractive to good people. They might not like what they see. They might not like what they hear. And if that's the case, you're going to continue to struggle. So you have to shift and get rid of this, this idea that recruiting is an HR activity, that it's compliance driven and legalistic and all of that. And you have to move to the idea that recruiting is a marketing activity. And that's a big part of what we talk about in the book is that you have to shed this idea that it's an HR function and say, how do we get my marketing team involved so that we become more attractive to the people we want to attract? But is it possible, Ryan, that to be more attractive, we might just be putting makeup on a pig? It's very possible. But here's what I've learned in all the years I've done this, is that people are attracted to, comp to, to highly effective teams, to really strong cultures, to companies that know how to communicate well. And, and here's what I've learned is that just because it's not attractive to me, doesn't mean there isn't someone out there in the marketplace that it's attractive to. We worked with a client years ago that they had a leadership team that was what I consider very unhealthy, very passive aggressive. And they were so, so they were proud of it <laughs> and they could not build an effective sales team because all these salespeople came in and they wanted to know their numbers and they wanted to be able to have conversations. And they wanted to be able to ask questions and that's not the environment that they created. So what we did was we put together a marketing campaign promoting the fact that we were a passive aggressive bunch and we were looking for passive aggressive salespeople. And I'll never forget, I shared it with the <laughs> sales manager and he read this ad and he goes, I wanna work here, this sounds so cool to me. He said, you do work there, but we're gonna market it this way. We're just gonna be authentic. We're gonna put it out there, this is who you are. And the transformation over the next six months in the type of people that they were bringing in and building the sales team, turnover went away, productivity went up, sales went up. It was crazy. But it was because, in my opinion, that was unhealthy. But for them, it worked. So 
I guess there's there, there's there's something for everyone out there, right? Absolutely. Match made in heaven. <laughs> so I don't think it's as much putting makeup on a pig. I think it's about being authentic. It's about being real. It's about putting your true self out there and saying, this is who we are. Uh, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything. And just sharing that with the world. And then the world goes, huh, you're run by human beings. You're not perfect. You're not lying to me. I feel the authenticity coming through. I feel like I can talk to you. And that's how we start creating connections. That's interesting. Spencer and I have a mutual friend who owns a landscaping business and it does commercial landscaping. You know, it's a trade. It's one of those trades that's difficult to find people. Yeah. But earlier this year, I had his crew come out to my, even though it, it's residential, not commercial, but, you know, he's doing a favor. Yeah, but you for get a special treatment. I, <laughs> <laughs> you know, buy a Mexican food, he'll do anything for me. But uh, the thing is, I was having some problems with my sprinklers and his, he had a couple of guys come out and take a look at the sprinklers. And I was having a conversation with one of them and he said, you know, Patrick, who's the owner, he's, he's unlike any, he's unlike any business owner that I've ever worked with. Um, he's a unique individual and it's a joy working with him. You know, it's so refreshing. And that made me stop and think even in a, you know, quote unquote, unattractive blue collar, business like landscaping, you know, he, what, whatever he's done, he's made himself attractive to people. You know, he's able to bring in people and retain them and they stay with him for a long time uh, because of who he is and how he mm -hmm. runs his business. And so, you know, for me, that was a great case study of, you know, taking an unattractive business, but, and, and it's not necessarily putting lipstick on a pig. No. His people actually genuinely like working for him. Well, and, and he's, he's, he's Belgian. He lives in America and he speaks perfect Spanish, right? So he learns Spanish and he connects with every one of his workers and every one of his managers and he knows them personally and cares about them. And, uh, and, and they respect that because he respects them and respects their culture. And I think that uh, word that you just used, Spencer, is right on. It's about connecting with people. And that's what I think is missing in the last 10, 15 years in this economy, in this country, is that employers have forgot that it's about human connection. And it's about giving people a place where they feel like they, they belong and a place where they feel like they, they enjoy that. Remember, we were not built to work. We were built to have a life and work supports life not the other way around. And so when we ask people to leave their friends and their family and the things they do for fun and come work for us for 40 or 50 hours a week, if we cannot provide them with that, that family environment, that connection or the friendships or the, or the fun, they're going to leave us for someone who will, because there are industries out there, there are companies out there that are doing these things that are realizing that connection with our team and giving them a place where they feel like they belong is more important than how much we pay them. Why, why do we, oh no, we, <laughs> are you there? There he is. <laughs> so All right, he's back. Well, why do we, why do we forget that we need to connect? You know, I, I think that in this world of the amount of information that is shared and I mean, you think about 
how much information we get to consume and how easily it is to consume with the internet and everything else, we're bombarded with all these different ideas and we're bombarded with, oh my gosh, that business over there is doubling this year. That business over there is 5Xing. That business just went public. And we're, we're thinking we have to work harder and we have to do more to keep up. And I think that with all the things that are coming at us as entrepreneurs, we're just like, well, which shiny object do I chase today? When what we really need to do is take a step back and say, who on my team can I invest in today that can help make sure I have a really strong growing business and ignore all of the noise that's out there. So I think that's what happens. We get caught up in the noise and we forget to connect with the people that are helping us make it happen. I, I, I think that's true uh, for sure, Ryan. And I, and I also think some don't, just don't know how to connect. I, and I know that's the case because I'm actually coaching one who's a manager for, you know, one of uh, a, a mutual a client. And um, this manager actually is just, I, I, I can't have personal connections with my people because he screws it up when he does. No, yeah. And, and so it's just easier for him to let me just let me just separate out emotion and relationship from the task. It's all about getting the job done because he really struggles with how do you how do you deal with complex human beings and just connecting with people? It it's it's hard for some people. So it's just I'm just going to I'm going to eliminate all emotion, all personal everything just so I don't get into trouble and I get the job done. Mhm. Mm yeah, no, I, I see that too. We we usually work directly with the entrepreneur, with the owner. And yeah. so for them, it's it's not a matter of teaching them how to do this because a lot of times they just, it, it's so much harder for them to learn it than it is for us to devel develop a process or put in a position that can help do the connection for them. Um, almost like a buffer, if you will. Uh, give them a service manager, an operations manager, or someone like that who can do the connection on their behalf so that they can go chase the things that they're uniquely good at. Well, that's important because it's usually at, the, at that, that management to the frontline level where they lose that connection. Mm -hmm. Those are the people that, that don't have those skills. Uh, I know, Christian, I mean, let, I'd like to hear how you do that. <laughs> uh, well, it's a good question. Coming from my own personal experience, I'm an introvert by nature. So my bias is to just kind of hole up and do my things, uh, you know, here in my office and and not connect with people. But what I have found in, you know, through the school of hard knocks is if I do that, I, I'm not doing anybody any favors, including myself. You know, I'm just hurting. I'm just hurting myself and I do need to connect with people. So, you know, for me, just tactically speaking, it's, it's uh, making sure that I have uh, formal times on my calendar to connect with people, uh, because if I don't schedule a meeting, then I just won't talk to people. So I need to make sure mm -hmm. that I block out time, uh, make time to connect with individuals, at least on a weekly basis. Uh, and also, uh, as you rightly pointed out, to show that I care about them, and it's not insincere by any means, but it's all, you know, it's asking about how things are going and, and understanding what's going on in their lives. And if they're facing any, you know, health challenges in their family or, uh, you know, uh, going through a divorce or, or whatever it is and, and understanding that you're there for them. Uh, I found that with my own team, uh, that, that, uh, you know, my head of development's amazing and, and he, he will do anything 
for me because I, he knows that I will do anything for him. And, uh, uh, I, I don't know if that's, if that's helpful at all, but that's, that's kind of where I'm coming from, even as an introvert, I, I, you know, this, this connection is absolutely, it's absolutely essential what you're saying. Well, I love what Simon Sinek says about the difference between an introvert and an extrovert. And he's like, as an introvert, I can stand up on a stage and I can talk to hundreds of people, which normally you wouldn't think would work for an introvert. He goes, because when in my mind, I'm having a conversation with you and I'm having a conversation with you and I'm having a conversation with you and introverts are really good at connecting one-on-one, whereas extroverts want to connect with groups of people. And so we run into this a lot. And one of the challenges we see is that over time, the team realizes that this, this introverted owner or boss has not connected with them. So they give up and they stop reaching out and they stop connecting. And so one of the things that we teach uh, these, these leaders is how to create traps. Um, and you've already just said it, you know, you put things on your calendar, you hold to your calendar, you make sure that you put time on there to have these conversations. I, I call those traps because now if you're the kind of person that follows a calendar, you're going to fall into that trap and go, well, I better get out on the floor and go meet with John because I put it on my calendar to meet with John. And you just have to be more intentional about it. And that's one of the things that we coach our clients on, on being able to connect with people. <laughs> I'm trying to keep my eye out for uh, for questions online, but why don't you get into, if you don't mind, the the book and especially the the model, the core fit hiring system. I I downloaded it here and I I put it up there. I'm gonna put you back on the the, the screen and and it's gonna cover right. us, but at least you can you can talk a little bit too. Hey, to it didn't that. cover you and me, Spencer. <laughs> it's just Christian. Christian, right, Christian. I, I like the mic was out in this conversation. You know, <laughs> uh, no, you know, when, when I, when I first stumbled onto this, I was working with an HVAC contractor and I was, I was helping them. I had a, a marketing company at the time. And what I did was I helped them with uh, lead generation. And they ended up telling me that I can't take the leads anymore because I don't have techs. And I said, well, let's see if we can solve this lack of technicians problem. I have, I have a background in this and recruiting is a marketing activity. And so I set out to do this. And the first thing I did was realize that if I wanted more people applying with a company, I had to do two things. Number one, I had to make them attractive. And so we call that your employer brand or your core. And then the second thing we have to do is we have to automate this process. Because if, you, if you're a small business or an entrepreneur or even leading your own department, you know how there's more busy work that, that needs to be done than there is time in the day. And so if we automate the things that are predictable, the things that we know we can set up a system for and just let it run. If we do those two things, we're going to attract and, and get more applicants and have more people in the pipeline and we can ultimately hire more people. So that's where we started this. And at the time I wasn't thinking we were gonna build a process. But then what I realized real quickly was that, okay, we have these two things done, which on this model here are core, that's the employer brand, your values, your vision, your purpose, uh, wrapping it up into a core story so that you can really- We are passive aggressive, come work for us. Exactly, exactly. And then you automate, which is using technology and systems and software to help you automate building the funnel and building a bench. You do those two things. Well, the problem is, is now I turned it back over to the entrepreneur and they fumbled through it because they didn't know how to interview people. 
And so that's where we ended up with uh, adding this process of interview where we teach our clients the core fit screen and the pullback offer, which is a very different way to interview than a lot of people have done in the past. In fact, it's the one part of our program that people just say, this is straight up disruptive. Like this is going to change our industry. It's going to change our business the way we're interviewing. Uh, and so we taught them how to interview. And then what we realized was they wanted to take things over from us at that point. And they said, hey, we got it from here. We're good. We've got our technicians. We'll go figure it out. And the, the idea of helping them understand who was the right person, how to attract the right person, everything else is what led us to the one component that I skipped over, which is find. And that's really understanding who is the right fit for your organization. What are their behaviors? How do they think? What are their career goals, their personal goals? And how do you wrap that up into a marketing plan so that you can always be in front of people when they're ready to make a leap? And so yeah, that's, that's the whole that's, right half of our model. And it's the, it's the recruiting side. And that's so, what so we So this, this sounds exhausting because- It can I, be. Here's what's happening. I mean, most- companies are shorthanded already. And so it's like, we just got to plug the dike to yeah. get somebody in there. And then end up creating a, a worse problem because they're not slowing down and doing what you're saying because they're just like, wait, we, we got to hire yeah, And turnover ends up being 400% and injuries are through the roof because we're not taking the time to hire the right people and customer service is down because we're not hiring the right people. And so I, I hear you and that's what happens, but it ends up having this this domino. So, but how do you get them to buy in that we've got to slow down and back up? Well, that, so that took me a couple of years to figure out. But what I figured out is that in almost every business, there are two or three key things that we can do to get them results right away. And when I say right away, I mean within 10 to 14 days, like it's quick. That's right away. <laughs> yeah, that's right away. Some of them have holes that they haven't filled for a year or two. Yeah. And so what we've learned is that there are a couple of things that people don't do well, just consistently across the board. And they're not the fun things. And I think that's why they don't do them. Because what's fun is waking up on a Monday morning and seeing a pipeline of 400 new applicants going, woohoo, there's a diamond in there somewhere. <laughs> uh, but then what happens inevitably is they look at those 400 applicants, they go, I don't have time. I don't have time. So one of the first things we do is we teach them how to set up automation to filter through all the applications that are coming in and and let the almost creating that that sorter that is going to say here are the five that you need to talk to and so we have a way we do that and i know there's somebody listening right now going yeah well i wish i had 400 applications i'd, I'd be okay with just four um and so then that's the next thing that we do is we say okay what's your job ad really saying that thing that you're posting on the job boards or that you have on your website Let's make that really, really clear. And so when we solve those two problems right away, I mean, they get results. And all of a sudden, the quality of people applying goes up and they're just more excited. And what I've learned is that if I can get them excited fast, I can keep them going long term through some of the exhaustive stuff as we build it good. out. That, that, that's good. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I remember from our previous conversation at the beginning of the year, uh, you know, one of the things that you touched on was the job boards is kind of tricky, right? Because it's possible that the best people, the right people aren't even on those boards. Mm -hmm. And so how do you find those people who aren't on those boards? Because maybe you don't want to have 400 applicants. Maybe you want to have 
12 of the right applicants and not 400 of the wrong applicants, right? And yeah. so I remember one of the things you talked about was employee referrals. You know, is that something that you're still um, talking about in your book? Or are you still working with on the clients on, is on, uh, on employee referrals? Yeah, once once we fix those first two things, identifying who the right people are so that we can screen them better and then being able to put a better job ad out there, it makes employer referrals so much easier. And the employer referral program is is a great tool, but what we found is that a lot of people are burned out on it. They have one, they've put an employee referral program together and it never worked. Or maybe it worked once or twice and and they've just constantly put pressure behind it and they can't get it to work again, so they're burned out. But once we fix those two things, how we screen people and what we put out there as, as a way to present the job, then we can go back to the employee referral program and create a program that actually ties to your values system so that you start attracting the right people and you start motivating your team with the right things so that they go out and they get you in front of the right people. And, and one of the things that we teach them right away is how do you equip your team? You have to remember if you've got a contractor out in the field and they're out there and they're visiting the, the homeowner or they're out on the job site or they're on your factory line, they're not recruiters. They don't know how to have this conversation. They, they go to their friend and they're like, hey, hey, Scott, you know, I know that your wife is still mad at me because, you know, my crazy ideas. But hey, if you quit your job and you come work where I work, my boss is going to pay me 500 bucks. Like, do you think your wife would go for that? Like, tell her you're going to quit your job and come work somewhere else. Like, that's why employee referral programs don't work. We forget to equip people. And that's why we need better ads. We need better marketing. Because then we can go to them and say, hey, here's why this is a benefit to you. This is why your wife's going to support this decision this time. And if we're not doing that, that's why employer referral programs aren't working. And so we have to flip them on their head and say, how do we equip our people to have these conversations with the people that are important to them so that they make the right decisions? You dropped a bomb a minute ago and just kind of left it there. Didn't, didn't close it. And that is that you're disrupting in the interview process. Yeah. So are, are you going to finish that thought or are we, or are we just going to leave Absolutely. this Absolutely. Well, here's the thing. Most people think that an interview is about getting someone to come into the office or, or meet us at the job site, and we're going to talk about the things that they can do. We have to remember, people don't leave jobs. They leave managers. People leave people. And so if we know this to be true, during the interview process, what we need to be doing is presenting ourselves as the people they want to come work with, not as someone who has a job that they can go do. They know what it takes to do the job, especially if we're hiring someone with skills. But even if we're not, what we need to do is we need to know more about the person's behavior and less about the activities that they do. And so our interview process, one of the reasons so disruptive is we encourage all of our clients to spend more time with the candidate. Now, I'm not talking about delaying the, the interview process, like there are some companies out there, it takes 10, 12 weeks to get through the interview process. That's not what I'm suggesting. You need to hire someone now. But instead of spending 30 minutes with them and going through a checklist and saying, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? Why don't we sit down and have a conversation with them about who they are, where they want to go? Do they want to work for a company that's going where we're going? Actually have a conversation about this journey that we're going to go on together. You know, you've heard uh, Jim Collins talk about getting the right people on the bus and you get the right people in the right seats and they figure out where the bus is going to go. And then he moves on to one of his other concepts. 
Well, the last time I checked, there were 50 extra seats on that bus that we got to put people on. And if those people that we're attracting to our business get on the bus and they go, this bus ain't going where I want to go, they're going to get off. We need to have those conversations up front. We need to have those conversations during the interview. That's and that is the, one of the hardest things I see people to do is to spend more time having a conversation with people before they make them an offer. I, I've, talked, I've spoken many times about my mentor, Kelvin Cullimore. They actually just had the 30th anniversary of the, of the theater that we, we built in, in Branson, Missouri. I, I was in Indonesia when it happened, but I was giving a keynote talking about Kelvin in, in Indonesia. And one of the things I talked about is the, the team that he built. And as part of that, um, he flew me from Salt Lake City when I was just a graduate from college and my wife and my wife to Branson, Missouri. Why? He wanted to see how I would show up in the community, mm-hmm. how I would, you know, how others would react to me and how I would react to them. He wanted to see how I interacted with my wife. And frankly, he, he gave me the job because of the fact that my wife is so amazing that if she married me, there might be some redeeming quality to me. <laughs> There's something he hasn't seen yet, but it's got to be. No, you're, you're not wrong. But, um, <laughs> but, the, but the point is, is that the interview process was time. Yeah. And I, I spent days there and, and, and he didn't, he, you know, he wanted to, to give me the job. He didn't offer it to me, but he wanted as part of that just to, to get to know me. And if you recall Zappos, I mean, I love the Zappos story is what they would do is they would, you know, fly in in their interviewees and the HR person would actually be the, the bus driver that picked them all up at the airport. And mm. they wouldn't know that they would just be the, the bus driver and, and they were watching them and how they interacted with each other, how they talked to each other, how they treated each other, how they treated the, the driver yeah. just for that very reason. So they could, they could have more time with them outside of the interview process. And I think that's a, a piece that a lot of people miss because to your point earlier, we're busy, we're short staffed. We've got to make a decision quickly. And so we think in an effort to solve our problem through speed, we actually make the problem worse and we keep the problem going because we don't really get to know who these people are. I tell people all the time during the interview process, especially the first interview, that's the best that person's going to show up. I mean, think about the culture that we live in. First impressions are the most important. People make decisions in the first five seconds. You got to go out and get new clothes for a first date. You got to you got to impress her on the first date and take her to a restaurant that you probably can't afford, right? Like we're bombarded with all of this stuff that pe- what people really focus on is that first impression and what they Ryan, see. Ryan, do you recall the pro scan? There's the outward self. I call that yeah. the dating profile. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I always, t- people that I, I teach how to use it in their hiring, I say, focus on the basic or the natural style, because yeah. that's what you're going to get when you marry this person. Yeah. And that's the other thing we talk about marrying. We talk about dating. If you think about it, we don't, nobody spends 15 minutes with someone on a first date and says, will you marry me? We spend time getting to know them. Yet we spend 15 minutes in interview and go, where has this person been my whole life? This is the (laughs) one. And we make them the offer. And then three weeks later, we're like, who is this person? This isn't who I interviewed. And you're right. It's not the person you interviewed because you didn't interview anyone. (laughs) You didn't spend time with them. You brought them in. They could form a cohesive sentence, fog a mirror. And you said, this is the one. They could fog a mirror. Yeah. (laughs) 
it's the bachelorization of uh, hiring, right? It's just, <laughs> but I've got a question. You, you, you talked about how important it is to bring on the right people. I mean, that resonates with me. In you know one of my clients, I've I've inter- I've done over a thousand interviews of of uh, staff members uh, for them. And one of the questions that I've asked is, what advice would you give to uh, someone coming on? And the number one piece of advice that was given uh, over eight years has been hire experienced people. It's the number one piece of advice that has been shared. But sometimes there is a concern, which is the right people might be too expensive and my budget's not going to allow me. So how do you go about reconciling a perception, because it may not be reality, but a perception that bringing in the right people, well, the right people are just too expensive. And so I just have to go with whoever I can find because I don't have the budget to bring in the quote unquote right people. Yeah, I think there's two conversations that come out of that. Um, One is if you can't afford the right people, why are you not training and investing in the right people maybe just don't have the skills, right? Like that's one conversation. I don't want to go into that one. Uh, I think the other conversation is the right people are going to come work for the right company and trusting that the the income is going to come. So one of the things that we talk a lot about is I believe if you're hiring the right people and you're making good, strong business decisions, you're doing it because there's a return on investment to the business of the person you're hiring. And if you've got, let's say that you want a three to one uh, return on investment. So you pay them $50,000 and you're able to attribute $150,000 in revenue or profit or whatever the calculation is to that employee. Well, what happens if they make you 250,000, 300,000, 500,000? There's an opportunity for you as the business leader to share in that win with the right people and the right people will want to know that they're sharing in the win. And so there's opportunities. If you just, just because you can't pay them the base does not mean that there isn't an opportunity to be able to afford the quote unquote right people that you're looking for. Welcome to Teamwork. Oh, let's see. So I made a mistake there. Um, So what I'd like to know, I'm messing up with my own jet lag. I'm going to blame it on the jet lag that I'm. You got too many cool buttons over there to push. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What talk about the rest of the model and what can people expect when they um, when they buy your book? I mean, what what are they going to get for for this? So when they get the book, they get a breakdown into the whole model. We go into all seven components of the model. We talk about um, how they can implement the things. Very tactical. This is a book that is very tactical. Yes, there's some strategy in it. But at the end of the day, the reality is people need to know how to do this stuff. And that's what we do in the book. That's what we break down is each of the components. Uh, Some of the components are, it's, they're deep and we aren't able to get into everything inside the book. So there are some things that we just touch on, but I want to introduce the tools. I want to introduce the processes. I want people to know how to make this happen. So that's what we're in the book. Uh, Regarding the rest of the model, I made a comment earlier that some people don't have hiring problems. They have retention problems. And I think that 
some of that it comes from the fact they're not making good hiring decisions. So if we fix the hiring, we'll help with retention. But then there's still the retention component, and that's the left half of our model. So if we want to retain people really well, we might have to make sure we onboard them well. And here's the reality in onboarding. A lot of people think, oh, onboarding is systems training or it's compliance. No, onboarding is the building and, uh, and re-energizing of the relationship. You know, you've probably heard it in, in the marriage world. You have to date your spouse. You have to keep things alive. Well, guess what? You have to onboard your employees ongoing because the person that you onboarded two years ago, you've probably made a lot of changes. You probably, uh, th things have changed. In the, and if you're not constantly onboarding, constantly re-engaging in them, then you're going to lose them. And so that's what the onboarding piece is. The 2412 launch is our 90-day onboarding program. And then we say, okay, well, now that we've onboarded them after 90 days, how do we keep them engaged? And you'll notice there's a lot of conversations here that are happening, but one of them we call the growth accelerator program. And what that is, is that is a program. It's usually a three-year program that is designed to get the employee from where they are to where they want to be personally. This is not a professional growth plan. This is not a, I'm going to get them more training so that they can be better at, at, at being an employee. This is how do we get them training so that they get to be better at winning at life? What are their personal goals? How do we help them achieve their personal goals? And, and we call it the gap. And, and it's a growth accelerator program. It's the gap from where they are to where they want to be personally. And when you invest in someone personally, it's amazing how much they're going to reciprocate and invest in you. Because oh, people, you know, I, I love that. I just, I'm so I, I'm interrupting because I actually have a, a client that is in the construction trade and uh, he is doing exactly that. He has people that have worked for him for a long time and he's, he's very involved in, in their lives personally. Why he wants them to have great relationships with their children, with their spouses, mm. just makes them better employees. But that's not the only reason why he does it. It's just that's that's part of who he is and what he believes. And as a result, you know, he, he, he's creating a, a, a culture of uh, where people care for each other. And, and that goes back to, you know, connection. Right? You, you talked yeah. about connection. But it's, it's, it's amazing that when you do that, people become extremely loyal. And I felt that about, you know, Kelvin that I talk about all the time. He was not just my boss. I mean, I feel like he was a father figure. We we had we had uh, holiday events together. I mean, I'd left my family to, to be far away. He was a friend. Uh, we we went to church together, and, and so that was difficult. I had multiple relationships that I had to navigate, but made me a better person just because of mm. uh, I, you know I, of the respect that I had for him. It wasn't just all right. This is my employer. It was not transaction. I mean, it was not transactional. It was transformative. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what that growth accelerator program is all about. Remember I said creating traps. And so for a lot of people, it's not natural to think that way. They want that, but they don't know how to get there. It's not natural for them. So we say, let's put together an employee-led growth accelerator program with milestones and touch points and, and key pieces that you can help invest in them personally. So that's what we're doing in Engage. And then finally, the last part is assess. And I want to be really clear, this is not about assessing your team. This is about assessing the process. So assess here is looking back at the other six components and saying, where did we hit the mark? Where did we miss the mark? How do we evaluate our successes? And then how do we take the things that we didn't win at and implement those changes? 
And so within each one of these components, there are data signals, KPIs, if you will, that we can look at and say, is it working? Are we attracting the right people? Are we getting those 12 applicants that we really want to talk to versus the 400 garbage ones? Are we spending too much time working on the things that are predictable? When we spend the hours that we need to during an interview and, and getting to know somebody, are we getting the return on our investment there or are we not? Looking at each one of these components and saying, is the data in line with where it needs to be? And if not, what changes should we be, we be making to go through that? And that's actually was one of the hardest chapters to write, actually, because there are so many uh, different ways we could go with this. And so what we did was we distilled it down into really the top five or six things for each of the components that you should be looking at that we see being very consistent where people are struggling and having problems and then giving them some ideas on how to overcome those. Well, one of the things that I really like about what you've just presented, Ryan, uh, in particular with the success, uh, for, for a business owner like me, a small business owner who tends to be a perfectionist, I, I hesitate to do things because I, I worry that they're not going to be perfect and, and they'll screw up. But what you're saying is it's okay to not be perfect because we've built an iterative process where we can continue to learn and evolve. So don't, don't sit there and, you know, spend too much time trying to make the perfect process. Just get something going here, follow these steps. And then after a time, then look where you are and make corrections and it's okay. So I really like that uh, approach that you've created here. Uh, it resonates for people like me who, who tend to procrastinate because it's not perfect. Thank you. And I, I, get it. Um, we, I tell myself every day and we say it at our, at our team every day, it's progress, not perfection, because I can't tell you how many times I've sat around and said, it's not perfect. It's not perfect. It's not perfect. And then somebody finds out that I've been working on something for two and a half years. And they're like, I could have used this two and a half years ago. <laughs> it would have changed my life. And I'm like, but it wasn't perfect. It's still not. <laughs> so. Well, gosh, uh, Ryan, this is, this has been great. Any, anything else that you feel like we haven't covered. I mean, you know, you, you pulled that huge bull mahi mahi on board and, and, and what happened? What snapped in your mind? You, you know what? I think that the, the shift really solidified for me because I actually created a keynote called How Learning to Fish Taught Me to Recruit Better Employees. And uh, there is just so many analogies in, in being able to, to fish and using the right gear and the right bait and going to the right location and just so many things that, that reflect there. But I, I think if people listening to this and they want to pick up the book, by all means do, uh, because it is a very much a how-to. It's like I said, I don't spend a lot of time on the strategy, but read it with a marketing lens. Like when you read it, think about this as a marketing activity and marketing tools. And the people that embrace that shift in thinking when it comes to attracting and retaining the right people and think about it from a marketing perspective, those are the people that get the, there's just the phenomenal, like unbelievable results because they never thought that stuff would be possible. So Ryan, uh, tell us when the book's coming out, where people can find the book, how people can connect with you, learn more about what you're doing to help organizations, uh, hire better faster yeah so so the title of the book is hire better people faster and uh, you can find it on amazon or any of the bookstores we've got an audio book that'll be coming out with it as well for those of you that don't like to read but would prefer to listen 
And if you go to hirebetterpeoplefaster.com, uh, once you purchase the book, we've got 12 bonus downloads for you. Um, a lot of the templates and tools that we talk about in the book, but didn't have room to put them in, you can download them from that website and put some of these things into, into practice right away. And then if you're interested in more information, more education, or even learning about my podcast, you can go to corematters.com and all of our information is there. And easiest way to get a hold of me would be through corematters.com. All right. Fantastic. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for sharing that information. We'll make sure that gets out to the listeners and viewers. And Spencer, you've been traveling the world and you do travel the world, helping organizations all over the place to develop higher performing teams. If people want to connect with you to learn how you could potentially help them, what's the best way for them to do so? Gosh, reach out to me on, on LinkedIn, Spencer Horn. And uh, I, I love introducing you know, people that I know to, to Ryan, I'm going to, I'm going to share this, this podcast link with, with some of them because I, I believe they can benefit from, from what he does. And, and Ryan, I, I just appreciate you and hopefully you value what I do because I, I, you've introduced me to some, some great clients and there's a lot of symbiosis between hiring great people and then helping them to integrate and work well as, as a team. And so we've, we've had that opportunity and Christian, um, always with incredible insights you know i i just so grateful that i get to co-host with you how do people find you linkedin's great just look for christian napier on linkedin you'll find me there and uh, happy to have conversations with anybody so uh, this has been an illuminating hour for me uh ryan it's great to connect with you once again and spencer welcome back listeners and viewers thank you for taking the time to uh, be with us and please like and subscribe to our podcast we'll catch you again soon Thank <laughs> you.